Hello, and welcome back to Stories RPG, the podcast where we tell stories better together. And today is a right late episode, and I am joined by an incredible collaborator, a game designer, a wizard, the brilliant Andrew Boyd of Pandion Games. Everyone, <laughs> a giant round of applause. There, there it is. Uh, thank you for having me, Michael. It's good to be on. Dude, it is absolutely my privilege and my pleasure. Welcome, everybody, and I will see you on the other side of the intro music. Welcome to the show. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Pandion Games makes games much like Stories RPG. These are games for everyone to play that help people learn to tell stories together. So Andrew is the brains behind that. And uh, I wanted to have him on so that we could pick his brains about all these brilliant things that he does. So welcome to the show. Um, And please, I just I like to start by asking everybody the same question. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how you kind of got into storytelling, both as like a personal thing, but also as like now as a business? Yeah. Uh, so first off, hi, everybody. I'm Andy uh, of Panion Games. Hi, um, really got into storytelling back in the 90s, going to date myself a little bit with point and click adventure games. Oh, right. Whoa. So these were the old. Are we talking like Sierra? Yeah. Like Monkey Island, Grim Fandango. They're Grim Fandango. I don't even know these. Yeah, Sierra, like King's Quest, exactly. Sierra games, they're wonderful. Yeah. I've actually been thinking about this recently because Grim Fandango just uh, had its 25-year anniversary. And it's so pivotal to why I'm a storyteller today. But all these told really interesting stories. And I really got into even just like sitting around a campfire and telling stories with friends back before I even knew what role-playing games were. It was not a concept for us yet. Because you don't need that concept to do the storytelling yeah. thing. That's the thing is it's, yeah, it's so natural, like telling stories around a campfire. It's a thing. Yeah, we used to call it um, solving the world's problems. And it would just be like telling these stories of things that were happening and things that we could do and all of that fun stuff. And I mean, was this a- around actual campfires? Like, because I know you're a camp- it would be around actual campfires. So yeah. Cool. So it would be we'd be sitting around just and, you know, you're just sitting there, uh, you know, drinking a Pepsi or tea <laughs> or water and you have your feet propped up on the by the campfire, maybe a marshmallow going and you just start down you know, a thought, um, and, and everybody kind of adds in from there. Um, so that's how, I mean, that's really how I got my start and I've always loved, um, telling stories. Sounds like to me, root of humanity's way of getting, I mean, you really just went back to the very basis of storytelling. Like that's, yeah, that's how you built groups, right? You sat around the campfire at night and you, you talked. Yeah. So, and this still influences me today. One of the biggest influences that these early point and click adventure games had was this idea of moon logic, which people gave it a lot of issue at the time. But moon logic is that concept of like, in order to solve this puzzle, you need to get a rubber chicken and you need to put it between two branches and you can take this wheel of cheese and you can put the moon back in the sky because the moon's actually a wheel of cheese, right? It's this bizarre line of thinking that you have to come up with in order Mm. to solve these puzzles. And like, 
that's now part of my like subconscious in storytelling is like coming up with these really strange combinations of like how you get from point A to point B to point C. Um, it's huge influence for me. Well, that that makes me I don't know. I love the idea of moon logic because it's really about surprising people out of their everyday way of thinking. Like that's that's one yeah. of the brilliant things about a storytelling game is we're all trapped in this very you know, there's a, there's a very linear progression to the world and sometimes it's not linear and it's very confusing, but there isn't any wonderful, you know, wouldn't it be lovely if we could have a magical logic that could solve some of the complex issues that we have? You're like, you know what we really yeah. need right now? Give me a rubber chicken. There's a rubber chicken. And a wheel of cheese. We <laughs> got this. Like, hold up. I got an idea. Like, yep. so there's something exactly. very freeing about that in stories when you can have that moment where you reframe reality and allow for this wonderful, bizarre, but somehow sensible in its own weird way, yeah. um, escape from the mundanity of how you actually solve problems, sort of with like repeated yeah. banal work. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And as you get into it, it's one of these where you can balance. It's called verisimilitude mm -hmm. is the word. That's word of the day, guys. Yep, there it is. Um, and it's this this idea that even though things are strange and they may not be logical to our world, you you haven't lost the grip of the story. Like you're still in that reality. And and I think moon logic can be really good for it. I like I like the idea of moon logic as a as a phrase. Um, I always think about Tolkien's uh, essay on the suspension of disbelief, where the rule was for fantasy, you could be as weird as you wanted to be. But there had to be rules to your weirdness and you couldn't Correct. violate your own rules. So I don't know. I've been I will confess uh, <laughs> I will confess it a shameful. This is a shameful admission on air. Uh, my wife and I and my son, we went to a an art exhibit of Pokemon uh, like these are Japanese craftsmen building Pokemon out of like their traditional craft. So giant uh, ceramic Bulbasaur who like looks meaty and has like fangs and like looks like he could drool oh like very realistic like just really yeah we went and we my son's best friend was there with us and he was like I think I'm just gonna download Pokemon Go and my wife was like me too and so we're into Pokemon Go now but Pokemon is a great example of a world that makes absolutely no sense but it has its own rules it has its own rules first yes. of all it's immoral yes <laughs> We're, we're, we're capturing As somebody that also loves uh, Pokemon. Yes. yes. I know it's, it's such a, you know, my son gives me a hard time for it. Cause like, we'll be walking along doing something. He's like, you know, like you're just enslaving these poor creatures to fight for you. And I was like, stop, stop. We're becoming good friends. Ah. And then dissolving them into candies. I know. Gosh, no, don't, don't say yeah, it. I know. Um, it's but, crazy. Uh, but I was thinking about this verisimilitude <laughs> moon logic, right? Cause example, yes. ready? And this is just a weird thing that stuck in my head. Apparently, people in this world have like crazy space folding technology. They've created mm -hmm. these balls that yeah, can literally that's what a take is. a living creature, fold it up incredibly tiny without killing it, and have it live in suspended animation in a teeny tiny ball indefinitely. And somehow that technology has only been applied to balls you can throw at tiny animals to suck them in. Like, Yes. The next fight, you know, you can imagine the next fight they have with Rocket, they just throw a Pokeball at the head of the dude across from you. It's just right. like just suck the Rocket guy into the Pokeball. Like, what are you what it's are you doing true. wasting time enslaving these poor creatures? Just go ahead and use the space folding technology. But but that's uh it, or space travel. 
There you go. Yeah. Or or solve the housing crisis. And uh, oh, geez, nobody has to. You're hungry. We're just going to freeze you in suspended animation until we have enough food. And then we're going to take you out and feed you like just so. But again, moon logic, right? Suspension of disbelief. That world makes sense to people and works for people, not because it's a world that makes sense for us. It 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 has internal rules right. of its own, and it follows those internal rules. And as long as it doesn't violate those internal rules and do something that's against, um, you know, the idea of there are Pokemon everywhere and there's, you know, then then yeah. we accept it and we kind of are along for the ride, even if that right. world is kind of goofy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So you create worlds with games. Can you? Are you willing yeah. to talk about some of those games because they're super cool? Yeah. Um, so I think one of our, it's, it's interesting. So my, my like flagship game game that I'm most proud of is currently undergoing an overhaul. It's called Banda's Grove. I love Banda's Grove. And it is, it's a great game. It's going to come out in its full entirety here and it, it is available. It's current edition is available today. Yes. Um, digitally. Uh, but it's this idea of, um, it's a quantum convergence of campgrounds from across <laughs> the universe have come together and it's this world of fragments of these different worlds and there's um, a quantum creature at the center that holds it together and it is a GM light game in that the GM is also a player character so they can help participate inside the game and players Um, are really invited to sort of take action to shape the story and decide where they want the story to go next yeah yeah which i love yeah yeah and it's one of these games where we give you the foundation and we give you the um concept of stories Mm -hmm. that can be told in this world in this game but you know we rely on the players to actually unfold their stories um, and I think I, that's a lot of storytelling in yeah. games is, is that foundational? Like we've got to provide those foundational tools to players. Yes. But it's the players that are telling the story. Inspire, but don't restrict is, is what I always think. Cause I, I it's so hard. You got to give them yes. enough that they get yes. like, Ooh, I got ideas, but not so much that they're like, wait a minute. Um, hold up. Can I make a this? Cause it doesn't exist in the way that you, you know, you got to have that balance. And I think Benda's Grove does a great job. Yeah. It's this really interesting where you have mechanics and you want mechanics to be there because mechanics are interesting for players to interact with. Um, But you don't want the mechanics to be so complex or so restrictive that if there isn't a mechanic for it, players feel like they can't do it. Exactly. Or they just don't know how to do it. And so they just ignore that entire plot line completely. Yeah. and that's kind of where the the like rule of cool comes in and rulings over rules with the the NSR movement come in. Can you tell the rule of cool to everyone? Because I don't know if our, you know, NSR is going to be out of out of the. OK, sorry. Yeah, no, so, no. The rule of cool is important, though. It's so important. Yes, it's super important. So so rule of cool is just one of these where um, at the table, you're the people coming up with the rules at that point. Uh, you're the ones that decide how the game functions. And the rule of cool is rule number zero Mm -hmm. of every tabletop role-playing game. And it says, if there is something cool that the player wants to do, then 
we can figure out how it works. Forget the rules for a second. How do we make this happen? Because it's cool. We all want to do it. Yeah. I mean, the whole point behind playing games, well, one of the big points behind playing games is that we get to feel cool. Yeah. And have fun. And we get to do cool things and have fun. I don't know. For me, cool and fun. Fun is synonymous with cool. I'm like, I never feel cool if I'm not having fun. And I never... Oh, absolutely. I always have fun if, if, if it, you know, coolness has to be funness. It's not like performance of like coolness. It's like that, that moment where you're like, yeah, like if you do a fist yeah. pump yeah. or like you're high fiving, like that's, that's cool. That is honestly why I think the D20 yeah. is so prevalent in our games is because when you finally hit that 20 mm. or that one, that's interesting. everybody's like, ah, right. Like they have that moment around the table. That's funny. You we could fall down a rabbit hole here because I, the D20, and Dan will get angry at me for this. So everyone at home, Dan Hines <laughs> loves a D20. And a lot of people love a D20. Mm-hmm. I am not a not a fan of the D20. But I like, I like your explanation of what makes a D20 fun. Because I completely agree. That gambly swinginess of like when that mm-hmm. one thing happens... That's a great feeling. Well, and so what is that? Take take away the dice for a second. You're you have that buildup of stress, and you have the tension release. Mm-hmm. That's what the D twenty is doing. And you can you don't need the D twenty to do that. You need you need the mechanics in place where you have the tension build and the tension release, and it can be really cool and really exciting. And everybody around the table is like, "What are they going to do? Yes. Is it going to work? Yes, you know." And when it does it works yes. right and so that does not require a d20 no um, no and there's so many ways to do it but you're you're getting to what i think of the purpose of mechanics like why do you need these cuz we can tell stories right everyone can tell stories around the campfire you can play make believe yeah. i think of mechanics as a way to reinvigorate the story it's it's a momentum management device like why do you need any kind of rules at all they help you build momentum and they help you create moments yeah. of big big, you know, tension build and tension release. I think you put it beautifully there. That's what, you know, stories RPG, we use drama clocks, right? And there's this ramping tension of each successful move. Yeah, but do we have enough triumphs to make sure that we actually solve the big issue? And so the tension builds towards the last roll. And, you know, by the last roll in the drama clock, everybody's leaning over and going, you know, because that's the moment that matters, right? But Bandis Grove has no dice in it. And that's one of the things that I think is so cool about it. Cause like the, the dicelessness, the, the token yes. is, is, it's such a cool way to do the thing without having to rely on, and I don't want to call it a cheap trick cause it's a beautiful trick and I love this trick, but the, the gambliness, right? The swinginess of like, I'm going to roll that die, you know, and I yes. want to see that thing come up and then, yes, I got it. And you do it without needing the dice. And I thought yes. that was so pro. So in our overhaul, we actually put in, it, I actually wrote an article about this recently um, in in our devlog, and it's called the Complication Engine Complication, or the Drama Engine. The Drama Engine. Wow, that's very. I've... And it's this concept of, and it's, this is basically it's a funny word of just exactly what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Like how do we add in drama and complication and tension into our stories? And Banda's Grove had that only a little bit, right? It was it was relied very much on the players to say, "I want to add complication." Yeah. And it required a lot of thought and, and effort on the player's part to add that in because there's no like dedicated game master or game facilitator. Um, so the overhaul is actually looking at a, a, has created a way where people are, can choose 
to have a complication or a piece of drama occur, and they are rewarded for that with additional tokens that they can then go spend elsewhere. Incentive for drama. I like that. That's a, that's it's a, a it is incentive for drama. Yep. Um, I mean, it's in, in kind of how the mechanic is working is uh, every action that you want to accomplish that's risky in some way or a move. Maybe you don't have enough tokens yeah. to overcome and do that thing without complication. Hmm. And so you can say, I'm going to just take, I'm not even going to spend any tokens. I'm just going to take that complications. I'm still going to do the task. Yeah. But now I get to take those tokens because I've now injected a complication into the. So now I have these tokens that I can spend later to avoid complication. Right. Even though the drama is ramping up, I got more resources to deal with the drama when it finally comes when the hammer falls. Yeah. So that's one of the things I'm so excited about with this over with this overhaul that we're doing with this game is is going to be really cool. I don't know. I like drama like the drama engine. That's that's good. Yeah. Um, Can you talk a little bit about Badger and Coyote? Because Bandas Grove, actually, before we talk about Badger and Coyote, I'm going to say one last thing about Bandas Grove. I feel like quantum convergence of campgrounds is a little complex. I will say, <laughs> if, if it's okay, I'm going to give you my pitch. Yes. Banna's Grove is about, um, like, imagine the Marvel multiverse, but imagine that, like, every multiverse is is full of, like, natural, cool, like, beautiful places that people want to camp, but they're, like, weird, alien, crazy, wonderful, strange, brilliant places full of weird, crazy critters. Imagine that there's this one spot where little bits of all of those different worlds connect and become one giant campground and you're the ranger you're you're like a part of a posse of rangers who are supposed to figure out like how do we make these different environments work together and holy monkeys all these different critters have different needs and like create different problems by showing up and and we also have campers who want to go wander off into the woods and those woods are weird and strange. And-, and the woods and the woods are weird and they have time dilation and weird stuff that happens. You could and- wander off and do a Rip Van Winkle and come back and you're like, wait a minute, everybody's old. Like, yeah, like, right? there's yeah. a lot of weird yeah. stuff that happens at the quantum campground. And Banda, I love Banda, is this like interdimensional critter who looks like a looks like a prairie dog. And and his job is basically, oh God, he's adorable. Um, he's got a hat, but yeah, but like his job yeah. is to get you, you rangers, like all you park rangers, like to help you help everyone else. Like he's basically, I don't want to say in charge of, he's, he's trying to care for all of this wildness and chaos. Yeah. So, th- so the concept is like all of these things showed up in banda's realm and banda's like i can hold these together and i can sustain them and i can make them function but i know nothing about any of you or society or i need your help with that yeah can you guys deal with all these (laughs) what is civilization how do people talk to each other i'm an interdimensional being so do that yeah and so like banda's learning at the same time i love that that. everybody else is learning and so the gm the facilitator of Mm -hmm. the game they're not even you mentioned a leader, somebody that's in charge. Yeah. And even the the GM in this game is an assistant to the yes. first Grove Ranger. And the, the the first Grove Ranger is helping Banda understand the world. And so yeah. it's one where it's just like, even though you're quote unquote running the game, you aren't the character. Yes. Right. You're not the leader. Yes. Um, and that was on purpose. 
I well, I love it because I love distributed storytelling. And in fact, you know, this goes to one of my things is I think we often misunderstand that word leader. Whenever anybody says leader, they imagine this awful, like narcissistic person who's like, it's all about me. And I'm like, yeah, no, really, if you want to lead people, it, it's a service job. Your job is yes. listening, finding out what everybody needs, and then trying to help everybody achieve their goals. And that's really complicated and very demanding. And uh, and yeah, uh, it's an act of of real service if you're doing it the way it should be done. It is. And and because we in Bandas Grove, we've got a playbook, a character for the person that facilitates, and they're this the the assistant to the to the Grove Ranger. And their moves, the their special mm-hmm. abilities that they can do are all based around leadership, but it is exactly like what you were saying. It is leadership in if you see somebody struggling, yes. you can help them succeed and gain t- they gain tokens for succeeding with your help, right? It's that's the kind of leadership so that good. these moves give. So um, because I, it is not like leadership is not about, you know, micromanaging and being narcissistic and things like that. It is very much about listening and, and helping where you can. That's, that's so, uh, and this is the thing about Banda's Grove too. I, I don't know. I can't stop. Um, it's, it's such a warm, good game. <laughs> it's a really good game. It's a, it's such a warm, like it, it does create the campfire campfire feel in play. Like that's, that's kind of, if I had to summarize the way it feels to play Bandus Grove, it would be, yeah, you connect with a bunch of people over a campfire story in, and, and, you know, you build that kind of connection that you can't have any other way. Um, so it's, it's beautiful and cozy and lovely. And yeah, everybody go out and buy it right now. <laughs> that's it that's that that was my pitch. yeah if you buy it if you buy it right now you will get the overhaul for free like when we <laughs> release the overhaul the updated version oh, it is included exciting. i mean i didn't even i to be honest i have not seen the overhaul i got to see the original and work a little bit with you on that i mean i'm excited you're working on it and i'm sure yeah. the overhaul will be grand yeah but the game as it is is amazing so i don't think it you know it didn't need anything to begin with <laughs> Thank you. so that's awesome um and i then that leads me to because you do great I think of your games as being like a warm hug. You have these games that make me feel like fuzzy. Um, badger and coyote is the same way. And you base this game yes. off of a, a, a wonderful video of a badger and coyote who clearly were friends that was taken in the wild. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so actually badgers and coyotes, actually, actually um, badgers actually. and coyotes, sorry. <laughs> They they do uh, pair up in the wild. It, there's there's so uh, cool. ecological studies that have been done going back way into like the 60s but there was a study done in the 1990s um that actually like tried to identify why they pair up but they yeah. they do they pair up for real in the wild that's so cool. um and so i thought this was so cool and so we used that research to be like okay what is each creature's role and how mm. how do they interact with each other what are their strengths and weaknesses and we kind of put together this it's a called it's a two-player game yeah but it's asymmetric in that Badger has one set of resolution mechanics, like how do they perform actions is one set of rules. And Coyote, they perform actions in a totally different way. Okay. Um, and it's to kind of balance their totally different creatures. They live yeah. by different rules. They just happen to be working together. And it was to like emphasize that. Right? So when you say asymmetric, you mean each of them, they, you mean unbalanced. It's like very different styles on either side. They're not, they don't mirror each other. They're so very yeah, un- dissimilar in, in their approach. 
Correct. So, so for instance, Badger is very good at getting things done. So, um, burrowing, uh, flushing out prey, and uh, like really just the the very focused piece yeah. of yeah, yeah, yeah. getting a task done. Um, and what Badger does is build a D6 pool based upon if they're using their trait and their skill and if they have help, things like that. And then they roll the D6 and they they resolve off of a simple table. Badger's a very simple character, right? Gotcha. They're focused. Yep. Coyote, on the other hand, is very social and playful and keeps an eye on things and has a keen eye to like see see predators at a distance that might have like hurt them and kind of like communicates with Badger and keeps an eye out and can socialize with other creatures and right maybe on. distract um you know, like if they if they interact with a human or maybe some garden dogs, they can garden they can dogs. deal with that. I like that. Um, while 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 Badger is like, I'm getting food. Yeah. <laughs> and I am going to accomplish the, the tasks for the day. This sounds like a good working relationship. Like you kind of need that it balance is. between skills. Like you have to complement each other and cover different areas of stuff. Yes. We had a an actual play uh, mm. done of Badger and Coyote uh, right before the campaign launched. And one, it was absolutely fantastic. Unfortunately, the language is explicit. So parents, you can watch it. Highly recommend it. <laughs> um, children, sorry. It's, it, it can get rough. Only. Um, but it was hilarious. Yeah, it was an adults only podcast, unfortunately. Gotcha. No, no, um, it's all, But it's okay. absolutely hilarious. And one of our fans um, watched it and they came back and they were like, Badger and Coyote would make a fantastic buddy cop genre <laughs> game system that's pretty much what it is yeah right? right you have you have these disparate personalities that are working together and accomplishing their goals but they're very good at their own individual things and i was like oh that is that's brilliant but it's yeah it's this fun little dynamic and we were able to kind of build out adventures for it that weren't just like very realistic or, or the initial adventures that we had for it was you are, you are a badger, you are a coyote and you're going on these very badger and coyote. You're in the wild. You're in the modern and world so kind of. A thing. You're in the yeah. wild. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we went back and we, so we added in uh, 40 adventures called their daring adventures. And what we wanted to add in was some tips and pieces that say, Here's how you play badgery, you know, characters and coyote esque yeah. characters, yeah. right? Um, and then adventures that are more potentially whimsical or fantastical, like maybe maybe you're going to run into a series of uh, billy goats in the mountains that don't want to give you access to their spring water, um, and so they've they've dammed it up. And it stopped the flow further down in the forest. And you've come up to figure out why, why has the river stopped flowing, right? Badger and coyote in the real world are not doing that. Yeah. I was about to say that's on the tamer end of whimsy and fantasy. Like I was like, yeah. And so when badger and coyote roll into the one horse town on the edge of the border, you know, I'm like, you can imagine like you could go because they're very, they're very iconic. So I just, I had a conversation with Scriv the Bard of Bard RPG, um, just, just yesterday, she was talking about um, Jungian archetypes, and I and that's something she uses in Bard RPG to help players learn kind of how to have a a character arc. And I think what's cool about Badger and Coyote is these are approaches to solving problems, kind of mindsets for 
how to deal with adversity and new things that are yep. very, um, very iconic. And you can imagine them in, in people oh, or yeah. characters of any kind in a lot of different settings. So I think it's a cool, like base concept and a base mechanic for inspiring creative and cool storytelling. Yeah. A, a lot of people have, have taken to it. I've been so, so thankful for that. Um, it's, it is actually our best selling game. Oh, so right Badger on. and Coyote has done really, really well. Um, really happy about that. And it's a two player game, so it's easy to pick up. That's, that's actually really key. Having a game that's for just two people can be such a, a freeing thing. And so you've got Bandas Grove, you've got Badger and Coyote. I know you've got like a million other games too. Um, this is the problem for everybody listening. If you get into this, I'm going to warn everyone at home. When you get into playing games, at first you'll play a lot of games and then eventually your brain will start making games. And once you start making games, oh, it's very hard to stop. <laughs> your your game your, oh, it's your wonderful will, though it is it's actually one of the things that we love about making games is then providing the like create a creator's guide because one thing like we want people to play our games obviously we think they're cool games but we also want others to make games that they want to yes. play and we want to facilitate that that's right? so cool I, I need to do one of those for Stories RPG. I feel like the core rules are very accessible, but I haven't done the full creator's guide. I did it for XD6, which nobody out there, I don't think anybody who listens to the podcast has heard me talk about it, but that's a game which involves rolling unbelievable piles of dice, um, which is what makes it epic and amazing. It's a great one for playing like huge, dramatic, zany, you know, if you want a game about gods throwing lightning bolts and, and uh, you know, mecha fighting in giant you know, that's that's the game um but anyway yeah i got to it's write a, a very cool system oh thank you um yeah no i got yeah, to write a no, creator's guide for that and that was fun um but yeah i i i totally think it's one of those catching illnesses which once you've started playing the games you start catching the bug to make the games because you start being like wait a minute i want something that does it like this and yeah you start fiddling with all the bits and bobs it's the synthesizer effect yeah um so just to ask, like, do you have any advice for storytellers at home, people who are listening, um, things you would advise them to do to get into stories, tell good stories? Um, what's your your final thought? <laughs> I do, actually. Okay, yeah, do it. My I've been actually thinking about this since you very first asked me the question to, to come on to this podcast. Oh, yay. And there is a structure for general stories like general storytelling there's a structure behind it yeah and you don't have to dig in very deep but knowing that structure just gives you so much more ability to to be like okay now we're going to do this now we're going to do that have you ever heard of it's a system called save the cat no so it, it originated as a structure for screenplays and they've adopted it to novels but at the end of right the day on. those are all telling stories yeah and so the structure has 15 beats associated with it. And you can find free resources. None of this is like a sales. I don't own anything related to Save the Cat. But like how I structure my games and how I like to tell stories is all structured around understanding the genre mm. and the beats that are part of that genre. And very Save the cool. Cat kind of outlines that for you in a very simple way. And you can be like, oh, okay, like what are the parts of a mystery? Yeah. You have your inciting event. You have the the opening where the the detective is known about it. You have the clue collection and then you have the deduction and the reveal. Right? That's a mystery. So if So it's almost like a it's the tropes of plot, if if you will. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. But say, say for instance, that you were going to want to tell a mystery and you're like, oh, like, how do I tell a good mystery in this game with these rules? Whatever the game is, I don't, it doesn't matter what the game system is, but if you want to tell a good mystery, knowing that there is clue collection is that clue collections happen. You, you go from being, uh, reactive to proactive to making your deductions to the reveal and you have your capture right like that is part of the mystery like that's but that's just one genre and it's that's so interesting because like, that's articulating something that most of us only build by reading stories obsessively and becoming yes. sort of immersed in a genre and then we kind of have an intuitive instinctive feel of like okay now we need this kind of a thing to happen, but it's hard to articulate. So this is really laying out. Here are these things that you, if you yeah. know this genre, you already know these things, but here are the beats that, you know, here are the moments that you know are going to happen in the story. You know that there's going to be yeah. a moment when all the, the people come together and there's a reveal about who the murderer is or the whatever, you know, the, 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 the person yeah. who did the thing. And I would say there's two storytellers in games. There's the designer. Yep. And there's the players. And it's the designer's job to take the type of stories that you want to be told, whether they're genres or dealing with certain aspects of topics. And but you need to lay out this structure. Yes. And have mechanics that support people being able to do these things that relate back to the type of stories. And then you actually have the players who are using that foundation to tell stories. Um, And I think that's that's key. That's that's so interesting because like that makes me think you know as a teacher and I I teach using storytelling games, I, I I spend a lot of time talking with my students about when you write, you have to be aware of your your reader because there's two people involved in telling the story, you and also the person who is recreating the world of the book in their mind as they read and you know projecting their own experiences and understanding onto it, um, and that's a cool you know designer to players and then author to reader is a nice like but yeah understanding those beats is is such a a crucial element in guiding people and helping them create the kind of stories that presumably they want to tell because we all want to tell stories right yeah we all want to tell stories all the time it's true that's how we have fun we tell each other stories all right well andrew thank you so much for coming on um this has been a super fun conversation and uh everybody at home Go get Badger and Coyote. Go get Banda's Grove and everything else by yes. Pandian Games. Thank you. Yeah. And you can find all of our stuff at pandiangames.com um, and then also pandiangames.itch.io. Uh, we're everywhere. You just Google search or whatever search engine you want, Pandian Games, and we should be there. That's that's awesome. I always forget to mention itch.io. Yeah, I have a bunch of games. If you're interested in, in, in games, I have some too up on itch in addition to at storiesrpg.com. But yeah, go check out pandeongames.itch.io and uh, definitely download everything the man's ever made. You will never regret it. Um, Much love, everybody. And uh, take care. Bye. Bye.